This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. Here's I got a free shot on all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome. It's uh, Saturday, 11 March, Year of Lord 2023. I have Richard Stern from the uh, Herman, uh, the Grover Herman Center for the Federal Budget over at Heritage. And I uh, just got to say, Kevin Roberts, what he's done with this new team over Heritage is pretty, pretty amazing. Richard, I want to have you on because I've got to ask you, uh, you know, we've been covering the details of, of the budget. We've had you on before, talk about how you get to a balanced budget. I want to make sure everybody in this audience, because our audience is the head of the creditors committee of this uh, of the country and uh, about the debt selling, all that. Um, You know, I don't study the federal budget for a living. You know, we have it up here on the show. I think I'm pretty knowledgeable about it, pretty knowledgeable about capital markets, given my former profession. Um, But that's what I wanted to have you on to ask you. When we we're sitting here and we're talking about, are you going to are you going to negotiate? No, he's not. He's opinion is, you know, you got to have the full faith and credit. And and I'm not even going to talk to McCarthy and these MAGA Republicans are so radical. And talking about the budget and and the CBO puts out this report that we're going to have along the current track. It'll be 19 trillion dollars added to the 32. We won't take one penny off at 30, 30, uh, over 50 trillion of debt next 10 years. And Biden comes out with a budget with a top line of $6.8 trillion. Is that just up in your grill? Because it shows not only no effort to make any kind of cuts or to meet people recently, but they're pretty dramatic increases, and they're basically telling you, hey, we're in charge, suck on that. Is, is that, do you take it the same way I take it? Because you're a professional and do this for a living, sir. Oh, absolutely. Well, and in fact, I, I wish I had the, the kind of release of not having to do this every day, day in and out, but, but you're right. This is terrible. I, you know, and I, I, I've been telling these people so far, this is the work of a madman, pure and simple. This budget has not just close to $7 trillion of spending next year, the way you're talking about, it has almost $5 trillion of tax increases, 4.7 to be exact. That is $35,000 in tax increases per family in America. That's insane. We're teetering on the edge of a recession. We're dealing with stagflation levels of inflation. This is Biden's best attempt to fix the economy is a saddle us with an unprecedented level of tax increases. It's insane. When you think of this administration, you think of Biden, you normally think of corruption. You think of incompetence. This is competent corruption. That's what this is right here. Let's go back to it, because we can talk about the like, as you know, I'm a populist. So some of the tax increases against our betters that hate us, I may not have a problem with what I do have a problem with. And correct me if I'm wrong. When they say he's bringing the deficit down three trillion or five trillion, there is no evidence in the math they showed us that shows you he's bringing the deficit down by any cuts in spending. It's only through tax increases. Am I structurally correct about this? Absolutely. And in fact, 
about uh, 40% of the tax increases are covered by new spending, right? There's an enormous amount of overall new spending in here. Now, I'll say one other part to that as well. Nominally, he's saying that he's going to tax people, the, the, the elites that are pushing CRT and wokeism and, and are propagating the border crisis. But here's the rub. When you look at all that new spending that's in there, most of that are handouts to those elite groups. So what they're doing is they're putting taxes on the board that hit everybody, and then they're putting subsidies on the board that make up for those taxes to their friends that are pushing their agenda and all of this other stuff. It's a racket. All of it's a racket. I, I want to go back when the CBO, how do you compare the CBO thing was shocking enough. And I think that gets people's attention because, you know, that's not heritage or Breitbart or, you know, they're center left. Uh, and I think it, it, it rattled people because it showed you, in fact, they are going to have two trillion dollar kind of in perpetuity deficits. This is going to have to be financed by just printing money because no other way to finance it. Um, and uh, you get to 19 trillion. Is there is this put us on a steeper because I've seen New York Post and some other analysis that come out. Does this put us under a steeper, uh, even a steeper uh, a slope to have even more than a, another 20 trillion dollars added to that? Because, you know, these tax increases are not going to because a lot of these are Democratic, uh, you know, donors. So the tax increase is not going to go with his spending. How bad can it get as you look at this? Well, here's here's the thing on this. We're already seeing globally high rates of debt, not just from governments, but from individuals, from businesses. We're already seeing dramatically spiking interest rates, inflation rates. All of that is the economy, not just here, but also across the globe, crying out to governments, not just ours, but all of these, these elitists saying, stop, stop printing money, devaluing our savings, our paycheck, stop spending money we don't have, stop stealing from hardworking Americans just to fund these giveaways to, to every friend they've got. So you're right, that extra spending he's put in there, it just pushes us much further to the fiscal cliff. When you do the math out, what you see kind of on paper is we've got 20, maybe 25 years left. And so we are, we are absolutely out of ability for the government to just suck the, the oxygen out of the economy. But people aren't dumb, contrary to what Biden and the left thinks. So we're not going to wait. No one is going to give the government 20 or 25 years to actually take all the oxygen out of the room. The inflation, the interest rate spikes, that's already the market already adjusting to the reality that politicians in D.C. are right next to the cliff and happy to push it off of us. So the truth is, I don't know when that end is coming, but this extra trillions of dollars he's talking about spending that you're talking about pushes us dangerously close to that level. Who knows when the market will just pull the rug out from under us? So I want to I want to go to your work, you know, because you got the bid and the ask, right? You've seen what Biden's put forward, which is six point eight trillion dollars in this fiscal year, which is quite frankly mind boggling, almost seven trillion dollars. What is the heritage plan? You, you, you've worked on this to get to a balanced budget. So if you're saying, hey, that's Biden, but we've got to put it over there because it's it's the work of a madman. I think you called it. What would then be the Grover Herman Center for the study of the federal budgets? What would be your plan? So we already have uh, our last budget proposal out. We're going to put another one out this year as well. Obviously, they're pretty similar to each other because we've got a lot of good things already in there. So we actually cut 16 plus trillion dollars of projected federal spending. That sounds like a lot, and it is, but we actually don't have to go through and slash and burn. All you have to do is slow the growth rate, 
put in good reforms so these programs actually make sense and get rid of the programs. They're just giveaways to the rogue left, to their establishment, to bureaucrats, giveaways to every industry group that, uh, that supports Biden's and gets liberals elected to Congress. Doing that alone is enough to cut that kind of spending level. Not only does that balance the budget, not only does it avoid the fiscal cliff, but it actually allows us to put three and a quarter trillion dollars of tax cuts in our proposal on top of that. But not just cuts, there are reforms to the system, reforms that mean that when Americans work hard, when they dream, when they build a business, when they want to build assets for the future, for their children, they can. And that we have an economy that grows for everybody and gets back to that kind of dynamic economic environment that built this country and built the American middle class. So that's our plan. It's out there. Biden and everybody else can see it. And we're going to make sure everybody sees this. We'll push it out of everything. Just explain to me, help me out here with the math. If you've in the 60, if, if they propose three to five trillion, right, of, of tax increases and you're proposing uh, three trillion of tax cuts, that's a pretty big spread. How do, how do you how does that work in that you're able to additionally take 16 trillion dollars of, of spending out and get to a balanced budget? Which they don't even come close to doing, right? Because they're they're three to five trillion still leaves you what fifteen trillion short, and with their spending increases, will be much more. How does the mechanics Absolutely. of your work? How can you have these? Are you are you assuming higher growth rates given the tax cuts you got? Is is there some mathematical formula here I'm missing? So we're actually not even doing that. But to your point, we actually think that if you did the things we did, the economy would probably grow by ten percent or more over a ten year period of time. That's, by the way, 10, 15 grand, something in that ballpark of higher annual income on average for households in America. But we're not even using that when we say that we balance. So one of the things, by cutting that much in spending for the programs, you save a lot on interest costs, right? Because you're not loading up this debt. You're not having interest costs that are going to eclipse the, depend- the Defense Department in just a couple of years, things of that nature. And then beyond that, beyond kind of that straight math on it, Absolutely. By cutting taxes, by letting people keep the money that they earn, by giving them a tax system that actually rewards saving, that rewards building a business, you're going to get a vastly larger economy. You're going to get more natural revenues that way, but at lower tax rates in a way that is actually respectful of everybody's God-given rights to life, to liberty, to their property, to the things that they worked hard over. So that's our plan, and, and that's how it works that way. And it's, it's not just to make the federal balances uh, uh, pocketbook look good. It's actually to help Americans. It's to allow Americans rights to what they worked hard to produce. Besides just the math, and you got the woke and weaponized, you know, funding in here, isn't there concept, and this is the thing I think the American people have to have to pull the camera back and kind of grasp, their concept is an all-pervasive, levi- this is the administrative state mathematically, because this is an all-pervasive federal government that just now is is feeding on itself as far as growth is that what they show when they said that they show us a 6.8 train this year and with these kind of growth rates they've got in federal spending with not one cut sir absolutely this is putting to your point that leviathan the government bureaucracy in the driver's seat of the entire u.s economy and really all of u.s society you know the numbers on the page we look at for budgets whether it's ours whether it's you know what the Republican Study Committee puts out in Congress or the Freedom Caucus or President Biden's, 
the numbers betray something else, which is the values of the people that write the budget. So the numbers may look cold on paper, but those spending increases you're talking about, that weaponized woke bureaucracy that they're funding, that will permeate into every aspect of our lives, our values, our morals. It will drive the, the campaign they've been pushing to separate parents from children and to have the state replace parents as the, as the people that are raising our children and directing society. The way to do this is we're going to have to have I mean, this is going to lead to a uh, a political confrontation. There's no doubt, because Biden's saying right now there's nothing to negotiate. You guys can't mess with the full faith and credit. There can't there, there can't be anything but a clean lift to the debt ceiling. But here, this throwdown, I mean, you can't do this because you're they're not rational. I said it in the show yesterday on Friday, you're not dealing with adults. You're not dealing with serious people. Do you agree with me before we go to break that that this is not the work of serious people? This is a political document that's just up in your face about what they're trying to accomplish, the overarching, because you can't take it. Given the financial crisis we're in, you can't take this seriously. You're absolutely right. As we talked about, to me, this looks like the work of madmen, but that might be kind, frankly. To your point on this, they want chaos, right? They recognize that there's political gain for any large central government bureaucracy when there's chaos. That's clearly what they want. The other side, the conservatives, people like the, that I work with at Heritage, we have done the serious work of demonstrating how you respect Americans, how you grow our economy, and have a government that does the things the government's supposed to do, and only that. What they've put out is exactly what you're talking about. It's a non-serious bid to just cause chaos, to sow distrust, and to throw us into a, into a panicked situation. And then the the really thing, they're trying to do a class war, but it's against the working class and middle class by this kind of donor class. And then they got the fake taxes, which will never pass. I mean, I told some guys, we had guys up here on Thursday when this thing first came out. I had some of the some Congress people, some other guys uh, I was sitting down with. And I said, McCarthy ought to, ought to go and, and, and call Congress in the House and pass every one of the tax cuts they want. Every one or tax increases. Pass them all. Send it to Schumer and dare him to pass it because he won't, because there's all the dumb. It's totally performative, a lot of it, right, just to sit there because they're not going to pass these. The ones they're going to pass are in the middle class. Richard, can you hang on for a second? Because I want to get down into the practicality of how we take your work and inform. One of the things I'm concerned about, I don't see consistency in messaging from the House Republicans now. And one of the reasons I don't see consistency in messaging, I'm not sure they fully grasped the totality of this and that's why you're so important over at heritage okay we're gonna take a short commercial break richard stern is going to join us on the other side as we try to get our arms around really as we've done all day today on the show the uh coming third world war it's not a gathering storm the storm is here and a lot of that storm is represented manifested in these numbers in biden's budget that he put up in your grill on uh on thursday okay short commercial break War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay. Um, I want to show you a tweet from um, yesterday, from Friday, President Biden. Uh, and this is how he's... And Richard, I'd like to get your response to this. This is from the President of the United States. Quote, the President of the United States, the head of the illegitimate regime, as we say here in the War Room. And I, I'm just going to quote from his tweet. Extreme MAGA House Republicans are showing us what they value, tax breaks for the rich. They demand the biggest Medicare benefits cut in decades, ship jobs overseas, defund law enforcement, 
devastate our national and border security. It's a gut punch to the middle class. Uh, Brother Stern from Heritage, is there any word, comma, anything of truth in that tweet from Joe Biden, sir? I believe he protests too much, as they say. All of that is probably a better description of what he believes in. So for everyone watching and listening, I want to make it very clear. Biden's Social Security plan is a 23 percent, almost a quarter cut in benefits for everyone on the program. His plan for Medicare is insolvency and bankruptcy, which is also his plan for the rest of the country. There's no truth to that tweet. I'm glad you brought it up here. What it highlights here is that the thing that Biden does have is confidence to boldly walk out to the American public, lie between his teeth, and throw under the bus they're trying to do the hard work of actually doing the things that would save the country and deal with the complicated situation we're in right now. Okay, so here's what, and I've noticed, and look, there, there, there are many, um, I'm not conflicting, but clearly the populist nationalists have a, have a difference of opinion slightly on the margins with some of our more conservative brethren on economics. But what I've noticed is that they march in unison, right? And that's where they can put up a $6.8 trillion with no cuts up in your grill and everybody gets in back of that messaging, and they put out a complete line of that. Every line, letter, word, and comma, and period in there is a lie. But they all get in back of it, and the business media, the corporate business media, and, and MSNBC and CNN and the New York Times all fall in like a phalanx and support it. On our side, I think we have a messaging problem, but most importantly, I keep telling people, I think we have a comprehension problem because we're at a scale of this problem and I talk to people, good people, and they want to go into a program and cut out, you know, the waste, fraud, and abuse or some of the woke and weaponized, which I realize has got to do. But it misses the totality of what we're talking about in the scale of what we're talking about. So help me out here. Do you think we have a comprehension problem? Because until you comprehend it, you can't message it, right? And clearly, I think it, it, it's unquestioned that right now we're always on our back foot on this thing. And this is why there's so much compromise and why the Leviathan keeps growing. Brother Stern. And to your point, if you can't comprehend, if you can't distinguish who the enemy is, how can you show up at the right battlefield? I think you're right. And it's not just that the, uh, a lot of conservatives don't comprehend who the other side is or what they're trying to do. They're missing the forest for the trees. They're missing the trees, right? They don't understand that what's happening is this unified front, as you say, from the other side, that isn't just padding on waste, fraud, and abuse. It's all abuse. This is all a coordinated effort on their side. We have whole programs. Most of the new spending that Biden's got his budget isn't just pattiness or pattiness. It's all stuff that goes to feed their Leviathan, their machine. What we need conservatives to do is to march in unison. And, and here's really what this is. When you look at everything the left does, they have a unified vision of what they believe is right. It's not traditional American values. In fact, it's absolutely 180 degrees from American traditional values, but they believe it. You look at conservatives, and mostly it's the beta version of the Democrats. We spend, we tax, we regulate. We just do it slightly differently and slightly less than the other side does. That doesn't really give an opposition party. It doesn't really demonstrate a firm command and control and conviction in traditional American values. So without that, what good is there having another party in Congress? Well, tell me, so what would be your recommendation? How do we get people, first off, you know, Russ, vote's trying to do it, you're trying to do it. What would be your recommendation? Because I'm going to get to the negotiation part of it with Biden and, and McCarthy. What is your recommendation to people to actually get 
everybody on board, right? And, and not that they have to totally agree about every item in here, but they actually understand that to get to a balanced budget, we have to, we have to thwart this in negotiations. But here's what we're going to have to do programmatically. And there's going to be some pain, and this is no doubt about it. It's not, it's not a freebie. How do you first off, and how at Heritage are you guys trying to get people on board so they understand the content of this? Absolutely. So I, I think the most important thing, honestly, is what we were just talking about. We need to get conservatives to understand what's at stake, right? So a lot of this is hard, but frankly, you said this before, Democrats will put up tax increases they would never actually vote for because they have that much conviction in the underlying values of going forward and the vision that they have. We will lose if conservatives don't understand that they are conservatives, that that means being there as a champion for traditional American values, for hardworking Americans that keep what they produce. That's the first step we need. The rest of it is mechanics. It's the deep kind of math of where the government spends on this or that. The truth is you can slow the rate of growth of federal spending and not cut massive parts of the government and still get to balance. I would like to cut large parts of it because those parts are just handouts to the woke, to the CRT kind of left, the Green New Deal left, but you don't even need to do it to balance. We need to inspire conservatives to stand for the values, to stand for those hardworking Americans that every dollar federal spending is taken from forcibly. How do we do that, particularly people under, this is most disturbing, people under 35 that lean and, and support, and it's obviously, it's, it's, it's much bigger than the MAGA movement, much bigger than the conservative movement that support this. In, in Biden's 6.8%, they keep talking about growth. If you, you 6.8 if you pass this and what goes afterwards, you're going to crush growth, not just the crowding out capital, you're, you're going to have growth under 2%. In perpetuity, you're going to have the lost decades that Japan has had, and your people under 35 or 40 years old are essentially going to be Russian serfs because the millennials, the, the debt is exploding. I think it's nine trillion dollars today to, in debt today, and you see these interest rates. It's just going to eat them alive. How do we convince people that this spending is not to your benefit? In fact, if you go down this path. You're going to just take away the basic vital energy and animal spirits of the American economy, and we're going to end up like places like Japan that have, you know, high interest rates, uh, low growth, uh, you know, the classic kind of stagflation recession continually, and you can never break out of it because now you've actually walked into the trap where you got to continue to spend. How, how, what's the best way to convince, particularly young people, because if these budgets get passed. It's it's game over. You can't. The, the numbers are so big, you really can't unwind this. That's why this is a decision point right now. We have to take our stand now, or it's kind of game over. Richard Stern. This is definitely the linchpin moment. So the thing we got to do is deconstruct the left's narrative, and really at the heart of it, their entire philosophy comes down to one thing: they view humans as parasites. If you listen to all of their messaging. What they're saying is that humans destroy the land, steal the resources, ruin the climate, take from each other. If you listen to them, what they tell you is, elect us, a group of philosopher kings that know everything, that can run your life better than you can. And what's happening, to your point, is the, the, the younger generations are falling victims. to this. They're being indoctrinated in the universities and the media that are getting government handouts from these woke bureaucracies that are teaching people that they can't do, that they can't build. To your point, and we were talking about this earlier, the U.S. was built by people that understood the exact opposite, that understood that in reality, everything we have was something that was done by a person who worked hard, who dreamed, who innovated, who figured out how to do things that weren't good, not just for themselves, but good for all of society. 
things like nuclear families, our religious institutions, all of these are under attack because the left has slowly but surely created this narrative that people are the problem. That's the thing we have to counter. We have to go back to these people and say, no, you can build, you can dream, you can do. What they are trying to do is sap you of your strength, of your God-given right to be who you want, to produce what you want, and to build the future you want. You don't have to listen to the bureaucrats. You don't have to listen to their warped moral structure. You know best how to run your own life. We need to say that. But I'll tell you the other part of this. It's not just about convincing them that. It's about convincing conservatives in office that that's true. They go out there and have these, these lacking in confidence statements. Who's going to follow it? We need to convince the conservative leaders first to go out there and to passionately defend that value. How do we do this? I mean, this is kind of your mandate at, at Heritage. How do, how do we do that? I want to, do, I want to find out the answer to that before we talk about negotiating strategy. How do we do that? How, how do we get people's confidence up that in, in an understanding of the math and back of that that gives them more confidence that we're on the right path? Absolutely. So one of the things that I'm sure will come to no surprise to you, Heritage Foundation, my team in particular, knows a lot of people that were congressional staffers. We talk to a lot of members directly, and we say these sorts of things. We give them these kind of talking points. I, one of the things that we were, we were honored to do is we've been talking to congressional staff from both the Republican Study Committee and the House Freedom Caucus, as well as many others, talking through with them, some of those leaders that are putting out good, solid statements to this effect. We've been honored to work with them on shaping part of that and being involved in the process. And that's how you do it. And, and again, of course, we've got public uh, publications that go out to everybody, but it's also that work inside the halls of Congress to help beef up the members and the staff as well. Richard, can you hang on uh, for a second? Because I want to I want to take a short break. I want to come back. I want to talk about how we're actually going to negotiate this, because Biden has said from the beginning, we have nothing to talk about. Right. We literally have nothing to talk about. The, the Republicans have demanded significant cuts to federal spending uh, programmatically to take things off the table. Biden says, I'm not going to do that. You must increase the debt ceiling with no attachments whatsoever. Now, we have argued on this show what we need to do is get in a room and get at least a agreement of what the math is. So he did say the other day in Philadelphia, hey, you know, I haven't seen anything from McCarthy. You know, we put for, I'm putting forward my numbers. Let's see his numbers. CBOs come out with something. So now you actually can have an informed debate. It's not going to be perfect because nobody totally agrees on these numbers, but at least directionally you can. Richard Stern from Heritage, he's the head of the Federal Budget Project over there. He's going to walk us through how we try to sort this mess out. And let me just tell people, this is going to be one of the battles of the ages because Biden and these guys are not going to back off one inch. And I can tell you why. They wouldn't have put $6.8 trillion up in your face if they were going to waver it all. Short commercial break. Back in the warm in just a second. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome back. Um, I want to bring in uh, Congressman Matt Rosendale. Uh, Congressman, we're going to get back to Richard Stern in a second. Uh, sir, we've been talking this morning about the geopolitics, uh, world events, what's happening, uh, obviously, with Saudi Arabia, Iran, the Chinese Communist Party putting it together. We focused on Ukraine earlier. But I, I got to ask you this budget. We've had Richard on for better part of this hour. And the $6.8 trillion, you know, Biden said, I'm not going to negotiate. They can't be any cuts. You got to you got to pass a, a clean debt limit 
And then they come up with $6.8 trillion spending increases everywhere, I think a 5.2% raise for federal employees, plus increases everywhere. Not even not one cut to any government program. What is your first assessment of this budget from Biden? And what what do your constituents back in Montana think about it, sir? No, they're just not going to go along with this, Steve. There's no way that you can go from uh, 2019 numbers, which uh, included about $4.4 trillion in spending, uh, with $3.5 trillion in revenue coming in, and now, over the last four years, increased that to $6.8 trillion in spending. One thing I do find interesting, actually, is the fact that revenue has grown. Okay, to four point nine trillion dollars uh, over the three point five trillion, which was the revenue, at the exact same time that the Democrats all screamed, "You're giving tax cuts, and there's no way that you can generate more revenue when you're cutting taxes." And this once again proves that that is exactly what happens. You stimulate the economy, and it's and it's a good thing. But that's another story. Right now, what we are looking at is uh, what they're requesting is another one point nine trillion dollars to be added to the national debt, which would uh, put us up in the neighborhood of about $33.5 trillion. And that hole is getting so big that I just don't have an excavator large enough to fill it back up again. We cannot continue to do so. We know that it exasperates the inflation problems. We know that it devalues the dollar. And the uh, people across the state of Montana are just not going to support that. But how, but it's in your face. You just mentioned the deficit is 1.8, 1.9. I mean, you do the CBO math and, and on Biden's plan, even with this tax increases, if they went through, which they would never go through because the Democrats even lying about that. They don't even support most of these. It's so outrageous. You're, you're at $50 trillion in the, within next 10 years and interest rates exploded. This thing is so over the top. How can you in the House even negotiate in good faith? Because we're hurtling towards a massive issue around the appropriations bills and then the, the negotiation of the debt ceiling. But when somebody comes and puts this up in your grill, that is Richard Stern, who and Richard's not hair is never on fire. He said it started the show by saying or started this hour by saying this is the work of a madman. How do you even start a, to have that negotiation, Congressman Rosendale? We're going to try and bring them back to reality. I think uh, what you will see is when we return to Congress in, in about two weeks, um, that we're going to have a list of places where we're going to be able to claw back uh, some of the uh, outrageous and outlandish money that was put aside for COVID spending that was never utilized. We're going to go through the uh, agencies and find all these duplicative programs. We're going to find the new Green Deal programs. We're going to we're working on those lists right now. And so we're going to present that as a group. It'll probably be the same 20 that you're becoming very familiar with, uh, headed by the, the six who you're very familiar with that are going to propose that and try to lead the country into a place of sanity uh, and, and reality uh, of where what well, the things that we have to address and the things that money is being spent on. We're going to highlight it, things that money is being spent on that the average taxpayer is just not going to agree with. And, and they will support us in removing that spending from uh, the budget. And, and what we're hoping, Steve, is that's going to put us in a place where the debt ceiling doesn't have to be increased anytime soon. And then we can have this um, discussion about the appropriations bills. And we will deliver the 12 appropriation bills this year 
And, and that's where you're going to have a discussion about where, where money really needs to be spent. Okay, so you're saying the Magnificent Six, which you're part of, that saved the country in the first four or five days of the new year, and the Mighty 20, your guys back up, that you guys are going to come up with a plan and convince McCarthy and the conference that, hey, we got to come in hard on this thing. This, what, what I'm breaking news here that this is essentially in the next couple of weeks, you guys are going to come back because Biden specifically talked about you in Philadelphia. <clears throat> you are the radical MAGA Republicans that want to destroy the nation. So you guys are going to come back and convince McCarthy and these guys to put some steel on their spine? Oh, I think that they're looking for us to. I think it puts them in an outstanding position to be able to say that a segment of the conference has uh, developed this plan, and it is realistic. Uh, a lot of the uh, country is going to support it, and it makes it easier for them to, to try and embrace it. It won't be perfect. We can have conversations about where we need to make some changes, but we are absolutely going to change the trajectory of where this country is going when it comes to spending and, um, and deficits. Uh, Richard Stern has dedicated his professional life now, and Russ Voter, some of these two individuals have dedicated with their teams to get us to show us how we get to a balanced budget. Will your proposal that you get McCarthy to sign off on and the conference that we engage with the Democrats on, will it be something that shows us a path to a balanced budget, sir? It will, Steve, but I will tell you what I'm more focused on. Uh, the balanced budget is always this, this uh, far-reaching 10-year plan, and what we have control over is the next two years. And that's why instead of making promises about where we're going to have uh, adjustments and cuts and reductions, uh, at, in year nine or in year 10, we're going to propose those in year one and year two so that people really know that it's going wow. to happen. Wow. So you're saying, hey, right out of the box, we're going to show you we're going to have real right cuts, not, not slowing growth rates of a federal right of the box. I love it. Let me pivot. You got to start somewhere. Right. And I noticed Matt Gates in this historic uh, vote on uh, on uh, military use in Syria Right. And it's not a huge amount of money, but it's emblematic of the problem we have. And you voted uh, for Brother Gates, but you guys were outvoted, I think, uh, 312 to 103. You had basically 48 Republicans. Tell us the importance of that vote, because honestly, I'd listen to the watch the whole thing. And I heard McCall and particularly Commander Zinke, who I think very highly of personally. I was quite disappointed in the lack of intellectual rigor and their arguments to continue to participate in that. Can you walk us through uh, your thinking and your vote? I can. It, it's pretty easy to me. Uh, I, we have seen over the last several decades the consolidation of power, and this is the exact same argument that we had about the speaker's race and about the rules that we needed to get um, reformed to, so that the floor would have proper conduct, that, that everyone could participate, to reclaim Congress's power. And, and so I look at this in the exact same way. Number one, uh, the founders never intended for us to get in these conflicts around the world. We are not supposed to be the world's policemen. We are supposed to be en engaged in, in a conflict if the American citizens or our interests are uh, in danger. That is it. And, and so to continue to get engaged in conflicts around the world is wrong. So what they've done, Congress developed this other tool that they have transferred this authority over to the executive by issuing these authorization to use military force, AUMF. And, and so when they don't feel like voting to authorize or declare a war, 
they utilize this other tool, authorization to use military force, and it allows the executive make decisions about what level of force, where it's going to be utilized, and how much money is going to be spent on it with a little bit of support from Congress. And, and so what it does is it allows the executive to engage in these operations around the world for extended periods of time, and they're wrong. And, and that's why Congress needs to reclaim that authority back as well. Your constituents up in uh, eastern Montana have, uh, you know, a number of patriots, veterans, parents of kids that are serving uh, in our armed forces. Uh, do they have your back on this, do you think, sir? They absolutely do. I've heard from veterans across the entire state, Steve, and what they do is uh, understand that we are not supposed to be engaged in these conflicts. They are extremely patriotic. Montana was voted the most patriotic state in the nation last year. Okay, now, nearly 10% of my entire population is veterans. Um, the, the tribal communities have an even larger per capita basis of, of uh, veterans that are serving. This is an incredibly patriotic group of individuals that live in, in Montana. But I'm telling you that they know that we're not supposed to be engaged in conflicts around the world, and they know that the president is not supposed to be able to engage in these by, by executive uh, fiat. This is a preamble or an appetizer for the real one, which is Ukraine. When is the House Republicans going to force Biden to come? And I'm not saying the War Powers Act is is constitutional. That should be, to me, fought in the courts. But at least to have him come forward with what is the plan in Ukraine? What is the objectives in Ukraine through some sort of War Powers resolution? When are we going to have this same debate about you had about you, Syria? I thought we won the debate hands down. It's a great marker for the future. But what are we going to do about you? Look, I w- we're, we're making progress. I was so thrilled to see that we had 103 members to vo- vote to support uh, Representative Gates' resolution uh, about Syria. Uh, that was a big number. Uh, quite frankly, I was anticipating we were probably going to have 40 or 45 votes on that one, Steve. So to get 103, that's big. So that shows that people are getting fatigued. They they recognize that we're not supposed to be engaged in all these conflicts. That They are recognizing that we cannot continue to have just an open checkbook policy for Ukraine. And so I think that you're we're, we're starting to win over these minds. Talk to me about, I know you, you're, you're, you're working nonstop on veterans. Tell us about what's going on there. So right now I'm on two great committees, the Technology Modernization Committee, which looks at all the uh, IT programs, the electronic health record system. And we're, um, I'm also serving on the oversight uh, committee and investigations. And right now the, the Veterans Administration receives $300 billion. They're the second largest agency. And not enough of that revenue is going to deliver medical benefits to our um, veterans. It's, it's just not. And so we are performing a lot of oversight to make sure that all of these dollars are being used properly, and we are uncovering places where they're not being used right. Uh, I know that you saw the story that came up just last week. It's a minor side story, but it demonstrates some of the problems with the Veterans Administration. As I had one of the veterans go into one of the facilities and was uh, declined to be able to have his uh, service um, because his health care taken care of because he refused to wear a mask. Uh, the, the pandemic newsflash is over. 
Even the president declared it over, and now he has picked this arbitrary date of May the 11th when he's going to roll back these mandates, and it's absolutely ridiculous. And so I contacted uh, the Veterans Administration and said that we want to have all of these mandates removed. We want our service members to be able to go in there and our veterans to get their health care a treatment without being harassed like this. And so they have they have resolved this issue, but there's a, there's a lot more going on there. And we're going to keep digging. Uh, Congressman Rosendale, how do people get to your social media, where they go to your website, find out more about you, sir? Thank you so much. It's at Rep Rosendale. You can follow me on Twitter. You can follow me on my uh, social media, Gitter, uh, Facebook, at Rep Rosendale. And we've got plenty of information there for you. And you can reach out and either give us feedback or ask questions. Thank you so much. Great stand on the budget, great stand on Syria, great stand on Ukraine. Congressman Rosendale, thank you very much for joining us. Short break. Thanks for having me on. We're going to get back in what Matt Rosendale's talking about in this budget. We're going to get into it with Richard Stern. Short commercial break. Back in a moment. To the end, just watch and see. It's all started. Everything's begun. And you are over. Because we're taking down the CCP. Getter has arrived. The new social media taking on big tech, protecting free speech, and canceling cancel culture. Join the marketplace of ideas. The platform for independent thought has arrived. Superior technology. No more selling your personal data. No more censorship. No more cancel culture. Enough. Getter has arrived. It's time to say what you want the way you want. Download now. Okay, well, we're going to be in Getter all weekend. Make sure you catch up with us. We're going to have breaking news, uh, analysis, uh, maybe do some live streams. So make sure you download. It's totally free. I'm an idiot. I can use it. That means you, it's easy for you you to use. Let's do it. Also, you know, we don't get a lot of time to sleep around the war because we're on this 24-7, seven days a week. Make sure, but we get great sleep. Why? Because we use the products of my pillow. My pillow 2.0 is out. You buy one, you get one free. This is a revolutionary pillow that will change the way you sleep. Go to mypillow.com, promo code WARROOM to get all of the products. There you go, what's called our square. You'll see all the discounts, all the buy one, get one free, all the sales on every sleep product you need. But particularly right now, we just launched with Mike Lindell the My Pillow 2.0. This thing will change the way you sleep. You will sleep the sleep of the just on the products of My Pillow. Go to the day, check it out, MyPillow.com, promo code WARROOM, buy one, get one free on the new launch of the MyPillow 2.0. Also, uh, you know, we talked uh, over the, uh, this morning earlier, and we talked obviously at the end of the week about the situation with uh, Persia, Iran, Saudi Arabia, with the Chinese Communist Party to really get off the U.S. dollar. I've just put out the third installment with Birch Gold. Go to birchgold.com slash Bannon. Uh, go there right now, and you get my third installment on the end of the dollar empire. This is called the debt trap. You've got to read this to get fully understand exactly where we're heading with this negotiation uh, over the debt limit and the debt ceiling. Remember, you're the chairman of the creditors committee. Get up to speed. There's three versions: the politics of money is chapter one. Uh, the end of the dollar empire is two. Uh, the end of the reserve currency. Number three is the debt trap. All free. Go immerse yourself. This is weekend reading. You got homework assignments. Let's get on it. 
Richard Cern over at the, uh, the Grover Herman Center for the Federal Budget over at Heritage. You guys have done amazing work. Is, Matt, is Congressman Rosendale right? We got the balanced budget you guys have worked through. Is the way to do it come in punching, get the MAGA Republicans in the House, come in and show some absolute real dramatic cuts in this budget to go counter what Biden's doing and just get into the negotiations then? is that Do you, do you think that's a logical way to pursue this, sir? I think he's absolutely right. If we don't lead, who will? And the only way that we're going to be respected by Biden or inspire confidence among American voters, and as you say, the chairman of the creditor association that bankrolls all this, is if we lead, if we demonstrate conviction, it's the only way to do it. To, to, his, to the congressman's point as well, which I, I loved in that last segment, he's right. The dramatic increase in spending has largely been this the, the government using the emergency to grow its own powers. When we talk about dramatic cuts to get back to that, they're not really dramatic cuts at all. It's just going back to the government we had prior to the pandemic. And even that was bloated. Even that was filled with this left-wing bureaucracy. And, and by the way, I will say as well, you know, I, the staff on my team, myself included as well, have done a lot of that work already helping people, uh, the you know, congressional staffers, a lot of people that, that the Congress was talking about, to get those lists together, the programs we could cut entirely or cut the rate of growth of spending on. Remember, on Friday, on Friday, and we called this on Thursday, we said it was going to happen. On Friday, California regulators went in before the Fed and basically seized uh, Silicon Valley Bank. It is the second biggest bank failure in the history of our nation, okay? And part of that's the the Biden economy on the implosion of Silicon Valley, because this is the premier bank, the premier bank of Silicon Valley, all the tech guys. But as importantly was the losses they took from government securities because of the Biden plan. This is my point. $6.8 trillion. Richard Stern is not a guy that goes to hyperbole. He's not a guy that has his hair on fire. When he says the work of madmen, it is absolute insanity what they've proposed, given what is going on in the capital markets of the world and with this economy. And this is why it's got to be fought, and it has to be fought now. Richard, I want to thank you for taking all the time this morning to go through this with us. I want people to get immersed in all the work you guys are doing at Heritage about this. Because, hey, when this when the MAGA uh, group that f- follows the war room, the posse is the chairman of the creditors committee in this bankruptcy of our nation. They got to make tough calls. And we want to make sure they have all knowledge in a fully immersive experience. Where did they go to find out more about you and your team's work over at Heritage, sir? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Rich A. Stern. Uh, you can find my team as well there as well. And if you go to heritage.org, you'll find all of our bios there, the Herman Center, uh, all of the stuff that we put out, all the publications we put out. And I want to thank you as well for your focus on this. And and again, and, you know, we talked about this last time I was on about the Fed, about the left just printing money, devaluing everything you've worked your life for, just to bankroll more of this stuff. So it's it's tragic, absolutely. By the way, the devaluations, don't take Richard Stern's word for it. Don't take war rooms. Don't take Steve Bannon's. Look at Iran in Saudi Arabia doing a deal with the Chinese Communist Party on these output deals to get off of the dollar as the prime reserve currency because they understand what the government's doing right now. And this insanity with the 6.8 is going to be rolling devaluations on your money. This is insanity. It must stop and it must stop here. Our children will never be able to look us in the eye and our grandchildren if we don't stop it here. Richard, thank you very much. Great work over at Heritage. Thank you for all your efforts. Appreciate it. I want everybody to go to the other day. So thank you so much. Thank you so much as well. So this is what we did this morning. And uh, I want people up on Getter following me all over the weekend. Look, we're in the middle of it. 
We're at the beginning of it, but it's not a gathering storm anymore. The storm is here. Just think about it. The second biggest bank failure in the history of our nation, and the California regulators had to jump in before the Fed because Janet Yellen and these people in the Fed, they don't want to admit what they've done to this nation. So we're in it now. And you're at the place right now. We're going to get you up to speed on all the information you need, all the all the uh, knowledge that you need, because the only way this nation is saved is through you. It's no individual is going to do this. You can't put all this burden on on somebody like Donald J. Trump. He's a political leader. He's the leader of a movement. He's a great man. But this has to come from the people. They have to have his back. And more than that, they have to tell the Democrats, we can't do this anymore. He has to tell the oligarchs, we can't do this. This is insanity. It's destroying the nation. And as it destroys the nation, it's going to bring down the entire structure of the world. Okay, I want to thank everybody. I want to thank uh, Real America's Voice. Uh, Wayne Allen Roots got his show. It's going to be following us. Make sure you stick around for that. We're going to be up on Getter all weekend. There's so much going on. You've got to get together and make sure you're checking us all out. Grace Chung, Captain Ben, and myself, the entire team, Jane Zirkel. want to thank everybody. We'll be back live on Monday. We'll be back up all weekend because there's going to be a lot going on. See you on Monday morning at 10 a.m. when you're going to be back in the war room. <laughs>